Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Buy a Business Near Me, brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, helping business brokers sell more local businesses. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Buy a Business Near Me. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast business broker, David Jacobs. How are you, man? I'm good. Thanks so much, Stone. Glad to be with you. Well, we're delighted to have you on the program. I've got a ton of questions. I know I'm not going to get to all of them, but I'm thinking a good place to start is mission, purpose. What are what are you and your team really out there trying to do for folks? Well, you know, I um, I was an entrepreneur in a past life and uh, uh, went to sell my business, um, sold it myself, and um, it, it's just not the way you think it's going to be. And after I got the deal done, which took me almost two years, I thought, you know, there's probably an opportunity here to help other business owners um, put together a nice clean deal and allow them to sell their business and go on to the next phase of their life. So now have you found have you found yourself gravitating to a certain type of business or a certain area of the country? Have you tried to, to niche at all? I did. So um in the business broker world, we um we generally and it's it's slightly different by state depending on the regulations, but in most states, um, you know, we can do deals up to probably thirty million dollars. Um, and within that that subset of transactions, there's two there's two markets, and they're pretty distinct. Uh, there's the main street, which is I think what most people are familiar with, and these are you know you know restaurants, bars, liquor stores, auto repair, dry cleaners. Um, a hot one right now is landscaping businesses. Um, just you know nice businesses. They earn the owner a very good income, um, but they're very geographically focused. And then. Um, uh, and that is not my focus, even though there's people I work with that do do those types of businesses up here in Northern California. Um, I've chosen to specialize in a few industries that I know a lot about and um, work with clients all over the United States. Uh, the primary one is um, software companies. So I work with software and SaaS businesses all over the U.S. Uh, my clients have uh, three to 20 million in revenue and 20 to 50 million or 20 to 50 employees. Um, and the reason that um, the lower middle market is different than a main street uh, market is the main street is very geographically focused. And you'll find that almost all the buyers uh, will be local. Um, whereas um, my buyers um, are usually private equity funds or, you know, large corporations. And they're, they're looking across the country to find uh, good businesses to buy. So it's a slightly different buyer mix. And that's why the markets are different. Well, it sounds like it must be incredibly rewarding work, man. What what are you enjoying the most? Um, you know, there's a, there's a couple of aspects about it. That's uh, it's a lot of fun, um, uh, and I keep telling my sellers that um, you know they've been selling products all all their life, and you know they, they want to chase after the buyers. And I keep telling them, hey, remember, there's only one business like yours, and um, if we can package it and make it you know really clear what you're doing and how you're doing it the reason that the business exists and get it in front of the right buyers, you should get multiple offers. And it's, um, it's just fun to work with them. And, you know, we, we build a relationship and we build up the trust. And then, you know, when I, when I deliver what I say, I'm going to deliver and bring them multiple buyers and they're looking between different deal structures. Uh, it's just very rewarding. 
So, so tell me a little bit about the valuation process that, that it, and I, of course, am uneducated and uninformed on the topic, but it seems like that would be a big, hairy part of the process, of, especially for a first-time seller or buyer. Yeah, so, um, you know, Main Street, the Main Street valuations are fairly straightforward, um, and that's usually a multiple of SDE, which is seller's discretionary earnings. And if you Google it, there's lots of descriptions of it online. Um, it's really how much economic benefit the owner can take out of the business. So it's a salary plus whatever kind of dividends you pay yourself. And, you know, if you run some personal expenses through the business, which most people do, like a car or your cell phone, internet, all that gets added back into the SDE. And then, then there's a multiple applied to it, um, generally ranging between three to five times, um, depending on, you know, what industry you're in and how attractive it is. Um, and the multiples do climb as the businesses become bigger. Um, in the lower middle market, it works in a very similar way. Um, uh, but sometimes like in software, there are assets that are being purchased that aren't necessarily the cash flows of the business. Hmm. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, a business might, let's say, have a million dollars in revenue, but it might have, it might be an app or something like that with 10 million active users. Um, and if you can find the right buyer, they might be more interested in the users that you've acquired and the ability to sell other products to them as opposed to the cash flow that the business generates. And that's, that's where the specific knowledge of the industry uh, comes in. So in your world, is, there, is it common for there to be a, a delta between the asking price and, and the selling price, or is it usually pretty close to what, what the deal ends up going for? Um, so when I work with my software clients, um, in the lower middle market, we usually, I, I tell them to think about a low, uh, um, a minimal acceptable offer. And really this just helps me uh, screen out all the um, unqualified buyers. So, you know, a technology listing will attract a lot of attention, uh, potentially hundreds of inquiries. And I just need a quick way, you know, if somebody thinks it's their business is worth $10 million and they won't, they won't consider anything less than eight, and I find a buyer who only has $5 million, it's, it's very clear that that deal is mm. not going to happen. And um, it's important to filter them out. Um, what you do find when you, you get down to the, you know, the five to 10 qualified buyers that, you know, we've met the seller, there's a good connection there, both personal and business strategy. Um, and the offers start coming in. Uh, the offers are going to be all over the place. Um, and the deal terms will too. Um, and that's why I think that kind of personal connection between the buyer and seller is really important. Um, you know, somebody might offer $10 million, but it's 5 million cash and 5 million is an earnout. And somebody else might come in and offer, you know, 8 million cash and uh, 2 million as a seller note. And you need to be able to compare and contrast the differences. And that's really up to the client to decide, you know, which offer they want to accept. Uh, yeah, we'll say a little bit more about that, if you would, because I, I'm learning from hosting this show that, that that deal structure, there's a lot of different ways to get the, the deal done. It's not always just a one big check at the at the table. Yeah, when these small businesses sell, it's I've never seen one big check where, you know, <laughs> you hand them the keys, they hand you a check and that's it. It, it doesn't work that way. There's always some kind of a holdback um, and it's really just to protect the um, the buyer from something that's not disclosed by the seller. You know, if there's a lawsuit or a tax mm -hmm. lien or something that um, the buyer doesn't know about, 
um, they got to have a way of getting you back on the phone. So there's always going to be some kind of money held back. And, um, you know, sometimes it's um, one plus one is three and the uh, the seller thinks they want to sell and they meet the right buyer and they get excited about working together. And um, uh, the seller will sell a portion of their business. Maybe they'll hold on to 10 or 20 percent. And they, you know, now they have a business partner and they're well capitalized and they go off and build an even bigger company and, um, you know, work on an exit five years from now and get a second bite at that apple. So it it's really just it's finding the right people and connecting them together. And um, and you find the right people with the, with the right deal to it usually happens kind of automatically, kind of like, uh, you know, dating and love at first sight, I guess. <laughs> so so how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for you and, and your firm? Do you got, get out there and shake the trees or are you already working with active buyers or is there a little bit of, of both? How do you get the new business? Yeah, so um, most of my clients come from referrals and they actually come from uh, – the referrer is usually a buyer for a previous um, listing that I had. Hmm. So I, I spend a lot of time and effort up front uh, documenting the business and putting together a, you know, a well-structured um, information memorandum. And, um, uh, you know, I think when the buyers see it, um, some of them uh, are appreciative of how much time I've saved them in their due, initial due diligence and, uh, when they hear of somebody else that wants to sell and, you know, maybe they're trying to find their way and navigate um, all the different intermediaries that are out there. Um, my name gets mentioned and um, those have always been uh, very good clients for me. So I'd like to learn a little bit about your perspective on timing. And, and I have a very uh, personal real example. My business partner and I, we own the business radio X network. We're not entertaining ideas of, of exit right now, but I suspect if, if we were, if we were, we shouldn't be trying to get all this done now and try to, and try to exit next year. Right. I mean, you got, you got to give yourself some time to get, get your ducks in a row. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like with any sales process, time kills all deals. Right. So um, uh, when you decide it's time to sell and it, you know, you don't sell a business this week, it takes <laughs> you know a few months to get a deal together, but it, uh, you really need to prepare and get all your documents ready. Um, you know, you need financial statements and copies of your contracts and um, just getting everything ready because um, uh, there's a lot more businesses for sale than there are qualified buyers. Uh, and once you get the right kind of buyer's attention, you don't want to delay where they start getting distracted on another opportunity. So being ready to go is I'd say key. And, you know, once you decide it's time to do a deal, um, you know, it's time to do the deal. And uh, you should be heads down uh, trying to find a buyer for your business. So where do these things come off the rails and, and not get sold? It's, it's my impression that, that there a lot of businesses, you know, are put on the market and fail to sell. First of all, is that an accurate impression? And if so, I mean, why? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, the industry floats around a number, something like 80% of the businesses that come to market fail to sell. Ouch. Uh, which is just tremendous. Um, and our trade group, which is the IBBA, and um, they have a collaboration. I think it's with Pepperdine University down in Malibu, California. Mm -hmm. uh, they study this. And they, they claim that of the businesses that fail to sell, um, over half have failed to sell because the business is mispriced. Mm. And uh, I think what happens is business owners, and I mean, this was my situation when I attempted to sell my business myself. You, you read the 
you know, whether it's the Wall Street Journal or um, the popular press, uh, wherever you're getting, you know, Yahoo Finance, wherever you're getting your business news, and you see these articles about these high-tech companies that get sold at, you know, 50 or 100 times earnings or 30 times revenue, and you think, well, they got 30 times revenue. I have a nice little business. Maybe it's worth 15 times revenue. <laughs> and it's just completely divorced from reality. Um, and the first thing that a, a really good business broker should do for you um, is to set realistic expectations by showing you past transactions that have closed and kind of what the multiples were in those deals and why, you know, why it sold for three times SDE and not five times. Um, and it's actually um, a little quirk in our industry where um, uh, some of the brokers who charge retainers, I do not, uh, they have a very perverse incentive to really inflate expectations in mm. order to get the listing and to extract that retainer every month. And then at the end of the 12 or 18 months, when the seller is upset because the business didn't sell, the broker says, well, it was overpriced. And you know, my statement to that is, you didn't set the seller's expectations in the beginning. You extracted 18 months of uh, a retainer. And you, did you really plan to sell the business for what you said it was worth? Or um, did you have some other kind of motive behind this? There are so many moving parts to this. There's the initial conversation, there's valuation, there's the framing, the packaging of, of the opportunity. There's finding the buyers, there's negotiating the deal and, and, and the deal structure. There's the due diligence, there's the, the closing, there's the, there's the, the transfer of, of money. Do you find yourself working a lot with other trusted advisors to, to help execute on, on some of this? I do. You know, I would say that the, uh, and this is what makes this job a lot of fun, but also difficult. And, um, you know, I like the challenges, you know, you're selling something, the equivalent of an office building, right? It's a five to $15 million transaction. So it's a lot of money. Um, but unlike an office building or a piece of commercial real estate, there's nothing to see. You can't go inspect a software company and see if the foundation's strong or the roof needs to be replaced. It's, they're all intangible assets. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's the challenge and the fun of this business. Um, but as I work with, you know, my clients, um, you know, we always work with a, a corporate attorney to uh, craft the documents. Um, uh, whereas, you know, in the ma a main street transaction will use a form in the lower middle market. Um, they're almost always um, customized purchase agreements um, created by an attorney. And um, we usually have an accountant involved to uh, produce the financial statements and the tax returns because, um, you know, that's that's kind of what you're what you're selling. Yeah. All right. I'd love to leave our listeners, buyers and sellers alike, if we could, with a couple a couple action items. Uh, I'll call them pro tips, just things we ought to be thinking about doing, not doing reading. I mean, look, gang, number one pro tip is reach out and have a conversation with David or somebody on his team. But, you know, like, like if we're really starting to, to get our arms around this idea, what are, what are a couple of things we maybe should be doing buyers and sellers alike, if you could. Well, I, you know, in the end, I think this is really a transaction between people. So if, uh, you know, if you meet somebody and they're telling you a story that's too good to be true, I'd be very skeptical. Hmm. Um, uh, but there are, you know, there are for the buyers out there, uh, there are, you know, lots of very good brokers that, you know, really want to do the right thing and, um, help you buy a business and make it put together a good, clean deal. And there's 
obviously a number of uh, very good businesses out there, but it takes some digging to find them. And, uh, you know, for the sellers, I would say the opposite is also true. There are plenty of buyers out there that are looking for a business potentially just like yours, and um, they're willing to pay a, a fair price. You know, they don't want to overpri- overpay, um, but they also are realistic and they want you to be happy with the transaction and help them transition the business. And they realize that, you know, a key part of having your buy-in on the transaction is uh, uh, paying a fair price. And, um, you know, all of this is, uh, it just comes down to meeting people and the right brokers can, um, you know, kind of plug you into their existing networks because they do this all the time. And uh, you just save you a lot of time and a lot of headache and um, a lot of mistakes that uh, first time business sellers or buyers usually do on the, the first go around of this. All right, man. What's the best way to to reach out, have a conversation with you, learn more about uh, these topics, uh, whatever you feel like is appropriate, email, LinkedIn, website. I just want to make sure folks can get connected with you and, and, and tap into your work, man. Sure. So I have a, a website that I run. It's davidjacobsbusinessbroker.com. Um, you can also uh, call me 415-297-8562. Um, and I live on email. So that's that's probably best. It's david.jacobs at zbbcorp.com. Well, David, it has been a real pleasure having you on the show this afternoon. Thanks for investing the time and energy to visit with us and share your perspective and, and insight. This has been a very informative conversation, and I certainly appreciate you doing it, man. Well, thanks so much, Stone. It was, uh, it was great talking to you. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, David Jacobs, business broker, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Buy a Business Near Me.